Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the podcast where starting the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican powerhouse himself. Back at again, Chris Joe Ramos. I forgot my own name for a second there. But because I'm so lit, so hype right now because I just came out of the theater and finished watching. Well, I didn't just come out of the theater. Just, just a, you know what I'm saying. I just got, just went to the theater this weekend and I saw the new Fox film. The long-awaited, long-anticipated, holy shit, it's about time it came out. X-Men, I guess you can call it a film. But, but it isn't X-Men per se. It's in the world of X-Men, and it's titled New Mutants. So let's get started. Um, I didn't write any notes. I'm too hyped for this. I've waited so long, all the rumors. This movie was cro- caught in the crosshairs between the Fox and Disney merger, and because of that situation, it got tricky and muddy real quick. So without further ado, Without talking about the whole drama behind making the movie, I'm here to review the movie. If you want to know about the history of it, there's plenty of YouTubers out there that can explain it. I just don't want to waste this review on explaining why the movie took forever. But I don't want to also be ignorant and not point out why this movie came out later than expected. Um, Obviously, we're still in a pandemic. COVID is still running amok. Numbers are still climbing slowly. Things aren't getting that much great in America. And, you know... This is the first movie I've seen in a theater in over six months or so. I think the last movie I saw in theater might have been, like, sheesh, I think the um, My Hero Academia film. So, in a way, it's kind of, like, nice to, like, it's to have some some form of normalcy, like, just being able to go to a theater and watch a film. And I never took that for granted. Like, even back when theaters were open, I would go on days no one would go. And I would see empty theaters, and I loved it. I loved the idea of, like, feeling like a rich guy that owns his own theater. Like, he just enjoys the, his own company, and, like, yeah, it's dope. It's like, got your own theater yourself. But it's like, now the theaters are closed, uh, people miss that. And then drive-in started pop up again, like, drive-in theaters, uh, because people just need something to do. It's like, get out the house, you know, and, like, you know, kids get tiresome, all this other stuff. But I don't want to bore you with all the details. You know, this is a very serious thing going on. We're all dealing with it differently. But it's nice to be able to at least go back to a theater. And when I went there, it was just me and my, my friend, just us two. So we had the whole theater to ourselves. It wasn't a big theater on purpose, but it was a, it was a early enough showing, I guess you can call it. But um, we had a good time. And let me tell you, I fell in love with these characters. Like, this is one of the best... X. If you want to call it an X Men film, sure. I just I just call it a Marvel film at this point. It's just a great Marvel film. But it, you know the the point is the X Men are already established in this world. It's no longer that oh, okay these are the X Men we got to introduce them. No, these are like the next gen X Men or the soon to be next gen X Men. And um, people who understand that these characters, as far as my knowledge goes, I believe they're actually X Force characters. So, without further ado, what is it? Uh, the director of New Mutants. Uh, New Mutants director. I should look this up before I did this damn review. But um, Josh Boone. Okay, the controversial director, Josh Boone, because he is not the best at PR, and he just loves pissing people off. And it's over little dumb things, like just things you nitpick. Like I mean, I don't want to say little. They're kind of big, but I don't want to get into it. I know the most recent one was... This whole like thing about like Sunspot not being um, portrayed correctly because if you guys recall, Sunspot is a, I believe, a native Brazilian character, and 
Not that the actor playing wasn't Brazilian, he was, but he was more the lighter, dare I say, white side, wide, white passing side, I guess. And some people were wondering, like, why didn't you get somebody who's, you know, dark complexion that actually looks the part? Because, you know, we're all about comic book accuracy, and um, we're in a stage where we should have more people of color in. I mean, we should have always had more people of color in film, and representation matters. I get it. But this is, like, a new class. And at this point, X-Men is... I gotta give Fox props. They were never ones to ever, you know, whitewash characters when it comes to X-Men. Just like the comic books of Stan Lee, every character looked like they did in the comic book when it was the Bryant Singer days. Like, you had all kinds of colors in there, and that was awesome. You had, you know, black, Asian, white, Hispanic, Polynesian, everyone, Arabic, everybody was represented, you know? So, like, to have a minute controversy right before the movie comes out, kind of like, it's at this point, it's like, is it going to do it much damage? No. I think what's going to do really damage if the movie sucked because they deleted us so many damn times. So, without further ado, now that I gave a little taste of what's going on, all the bullshit aside, and let's get to the actual uh, meats and potatoes of this thing. So, here we got the New Mutants. We have none other than Game of Thrones fame, Maisie Williams, Arya Stark, and she's playing a character named by the name of Rain Sinclair. And Rain is first seen as this very shy, like, to herself girl that doesn't really have a lot of friends as his academy. Because, he let's just start from the get-go. Um, before I get into that, um, the main character, you start off in this Native American reservation. And there's this young girl by the name of Danielle Moonstar. And there's a giant tornado going through the reservation. And everyone's trying to escape from this giant tornado, obviously, to safety. So we've got a situation where this young girl and her dad are the few last survivors and her dad is obviously Adam Beach because I swear to God if they ever need a Native American male character it's always Adam Beach like nothing against Adam Beach he's a great actor I love the one Wind Talkers and other films too and I just feel like is he the only Native American man male actor available for like these roles I mean it's almost like that dude and that Mexican dude that was every film back in the 2000s and 90s like I think I don't even know his name was Hector like he was Hector in every movie too on top of that talk about typecasting but yeah, Adam Beach was like, he was Adam Beach. Like, he was like, hey, you know. And then, you know, here we go. He's going to save the rest of the villagers from this giant tornado. And then he dies. But he doesn't die in a tornado. You see his corpse being thrown back in an ice block. Like, he's frozen solid. I'm like, all right, this is a movie about mutants. Obviously, this thing ain't an anomaly. This shit is legit. There's obviously some damn ice mutants out there. So this girl's trying to survive and escape safety, and what does she do? She runs for her life. Like, she's already in a forest in a hollow tree, but then she keeps running and running and running to, you know, to get away from the reservation. Falls over, and then she wakes up in a, what seems to be a medical facility. But she's handcuffed to the damn gurney. So she's like, okay, I'm in a medical facility, but I'm also handcuffed, so I'm definitely a prisoner. And, of course, that's what any 16, 17-year-old girl would think. Right, I believe that's her age. And she's freaking out. She's in this facility, and she doesn't know who to talk to. And then comes in a doctor who, um, who you know, buzzes into the, her room, and her name is Dr. Reyes. And she's played by none other than Brazilian actress Alice Braga, who's of, um, let's see, she's of the fame of City of God, great films from 2002, I Am Legend and Red Belt and many other films. And I think she's actually in the new Suicide Squad by James Gunn. So I think it's kind of funny. She goes from Marvel. Well, I guess it was not really, not technically Marvel, but within the Marvel realm, I guess you can say. But the Fox, the Fox Marvel realm 
she's in the to the DC world now, so that's to the DC multiverse. So it's pretty cool to see her actually like you know be consistent with her roles. So yes, yeah, so she's this doctor. She's there to help the kids, and she's very like well spoken. She seems very nurturing. She seems like a nice, trusted character. And then you're introduced to all the characters later on, and like what looks like would be like you know those mental awards where they have those like uh, circles where they're all just uh, like almost like an AA meeting where they just talk about their you know their not addictions but I guess their mutant powers because she's in a facility this um, Danielle Moonstar and the facility is a um, what seems to be a hospital slash um, uh, I don't want to say homeless shelter boarding school I guess you can say it's a boarding school but it, it feels more like a medical facility like way more of a medical facility for mutants who haven't discovered their powers yet. So they study the mutants who are like of coming of age because obviously new mutants are very dangerous because they don't know how to control their powers, they don't know how their powers work. They're pretty much like taking time bombs. So if you can send a new mutant to this, if you can afford to send a kid to this new facility, um, that's what it's what they're saying. It's like if you're chosen or you can afford it, they send you here to gauge your powers and um, and uh, hopefully send you off to this, uh, Charles Xavier School of Mutants. So before they get sent to the, you know, mutant school to become a normal and live in a boarding school and all that stuff, they got to make sure you can be a, uh, a decent enough um, candidate for that because, God forbid, your powers are more dangerous. Well, not really, if you're, gonna, if you're not, not going to go, but if you're able to control your powers because some powers are more hard to control than others. So I get it. I get the whole premise, but Danielle's not having it. She's trying to escape. She's having survivor's guilt because she found out that everyone in her village, I mean, I'll say village, reservation is dead. All of them, including her dad, who was trying to save um, the villagers from getting trampled by the, tor the alleged tornado. So it's this big thing where the, you know, characters discover themselves. And let me name out the kids. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy. She's a Argentine American slash Argentine slash English actress. So, um, it makes it easier to say she's a Latina actor from from the from a, our Argentina descent who grew up in England for a bit. She just traveled a lot. She plays a character called Iliana Rasputin. And her powers you find out later in the movie. I'm just gonna spoil the powers because it it, it makes things easier. Like you're gonna see if you've seen this review, you saw the film. She is a Russian. Um, I don't want to say X-Men just yet, but in the comic books, she's a Russian X-Men, and her name in the comic book's a little different. Not that much different. Her name is Ileana Nikolivina uh, Rasputina, so they added, they took off the A, just made it more male-centric last name, Rasputin, instead of Rasputina. And um, her powers are freaking phenomenal. Like, she has interdimensional uh, teleporting powers, and she can go in and out of pocket dimensions, or I guess the Shadow Realm, or the Shadow King, and all the other psychic X-Men end up going to eventually. Um, she has magic manipulation, uh, wears mystic armor, uses a soul sword. She's pretty uh, pretty much my favorite character in the X-Men universe. I'm like, how has she not been in the X-Men films in the last 25 effing years? Like, this girl's a badass. Like, yeah, she comes off as this, like, crazy chick who's also a bully. Because every school or facility or group of kids got to have one bully. But she's also the hot chick, too, on top of that. Like, it's one thing if she's, like, you know, this girl who's, like, you know, I don't want to say the word ugly or unattractive, but definitely homely looking. You tend to see those girls as the bullies because they use that as the defense mechanism. 
but she's more of a mean girl bully, you know. She's a mean girl with some badass powers. I think she probably has the best powers next to who I'll speak of soon. And then we got uh, Danielle Moonstar, the main character, who we focus on her powers and more of this um, we don't know yet at the time. So let me just skip her for a minute because I want to ruin the whole thing. The whole point of the film was trying to figure out Danielle's powers so she can control them because this movie was labeled as a horror film. It was always meant to be a horror film. It was originally meant to be a rated R film, guys. So, like, you know, this was definitely supposed to be the first, like, superhero, teenage, horror, Marvel film. Also the first rated R for a teen. But, you know, that's why there were some disputes. This movie was supposed to be rated R. They wanted to make it PG-13 because it is about teens. So how are you going to alienate the audience that's meant to be seen for? Because you make more money in PG-13 than you do rated R anyways. And in 2020... Uh, profanity is more acceptable. So, like, you can say bullshit in PG-13. You can get away with saying shit. You get at least one F-bomb per film. So you can at least get one F-bomb for an impact in any PG-13 film. and Or one instance of use of it. Because, you know, Samuel Jackson, The Sinks of the Plane, said it in one infamous line. But he said it more than once in that line. But there was just that one line. So I guess that's the limit. You only have one line of dialogue or PG-13 film to drop an F-bomb so you better use that shit before it's pretty much it's like a TV-14 rating you know like if you watch anything on CW or pro wrestling it's a TV-14 you can say everything but the really heavy ones right so the film was a teen film so why not share it for teens and I'm glad they did because I get what they were trying to do make a horror film and make it you know rated R and like edgy but there's other um other Marvel, even X-Men properties, you can make rated R. And they have. They've done Deadpool. They've done Logan. There's way more characters. And this one didn't need, in my personal opinion, didn't need to be a rated R. It would have been dope to see a rated R horror film. Yes, I get it. Because we're dealing with the Shadow Realm. This is the most scariest realm of all mutants and, you know, uh, and superhero dramas. Because even just playing the games like X-Men Legends and Marvel Alliance and seeing... seeing uh, Legion, Legion's a strong ass mutant. He, you know, so like seeing all that weird stuff because it's more horror based. It doesn't have to be rated R unless you just want to show blood and guts and tits. That's literally what I, what it comes down to. You will want to show body parts, body parts get dismembered, and maybe say a couple hard words. But besides that, I mean, it, it was a good option to make it PG thirteen, considering how this movie is supposed to come out over a year ago. Over two years ago, over three effing years ago, three years ago, guys, this shit is wild to me. So, yeah, so next we have the main character. I was supposed to talk about her. Sorry about that. Daniel Danny Moonstar, original code name Psyche and later Mirage, is a fictional Northern Cheyenne superheroine appearing in American comic books by Marvel. She first appeared in a graphic novel, The New Mutants. So, they literally took the original New Mutants and made the movie. So that's what I love. I love when they actually follow the comic book. But like, again, you don't have to follow the comic book to a T, guys. You can have some liberties because Civil War for Marvel wasn't exactly Civil War the comic book, but it was still one of my favorite, all-time favorite Marvel films, hands down till today. To this day. We move on to actress Blue Hunt, who plays Danielle Moonstar, our main protagonist, I guess you can say. And she's of CW Supernatural fame. And her powers are crazy. Like, she is a little bit of everything. A psychotic, telepathic, illusionary, empathetic, superhuman strength. Okay, so this woman is everything. She's a bad bitch, and that's it. 
her powers essentially is like similar to Jean Grey's, similar to a lot of the super psychic uh, X-Men or any kind of mutants. And except the thing is she has this nightmare fueled uh, defense mechanism, one should call it. Kind of like the Scarecrow where she makes her enemies see their worst fear. That's exactly what her powers can do. Almost like she's, she uh, protects herself from these mirages. And that's why her code name, and that one of them was uh, Mirage. Also, she also went by Spellbinder. I like that name. And Dark Raider, which sounds like a badass. So, like, you know, this character definitely grew over the years. And looking at her 90s art, because 90s, 2000 X-Men are drawn super sexualized. She looked dope as hell. Like, she looked like this badass, you know, Native American warrior with a bow and, you know, bow and arrow and other stuff. I mean, you know, she just looks, the, in the comic book, she looked like, she was ready for for the kill, and almost like drawn in the Witchblade style. I'm wondering if the Witchblade people made this New Mutants comic book. That would be I'm have to research that myself. So yeah, so who else in this uh, this uh, motley crew of people do we have? Back to Wolfsbane. I forgot to talk about her. her powers. Is that she's a werewolf? Simple and easy as that. It says here her abilities are to shapeshift into a wolf, into a human like humanoid wolf, so like and then, yeah, so she can turn into any form of wolf, wolf woman, everything. And she has super wolf power, so she can scent like a wolf seen in dark. And she's usually associated with X-Force. But again, I think she was also debuted in New Mutants. Yes, so she was in New Mutants, and eventually ended up in X-Force. And Excalibur, and Hellions. So I remember Wolf's Reign in, like, comic books when I was a kid. She's definitely one of the cool characters I like from the from the newer X-Men that um, I grew up reading, like, yo, she's just dope. And again, her character is timid and shy, but turned into a complete utter badass, so it's nice to see this, like, flip-flop. And then, uh, who else do we have here? Um, we have uh, Sunspot. Oh, yeah, Sunspot. Sunspot is, uh, he is, he is one of my favorite. I remember Sunspot in the comic books as a kid, and I really liked his powers because I like the fire-based superhero powers. Sue me, right? And uh, he just came off as like this, like you know, hot shot character or whatever. And uh, and it's like that in this in this uh, movie and film. Uh, he's played by uh, Henry Zaga, who's a Brazilian actor. And this is the casting that was the controversy because Sunspot's supposed to be Afro-Latino, and this guy is obviously. Anglo-Latino, that's even the right term. He's just white-passing Brazilian. And the character's ethnicity means something because this is the X-Men. There's always political intrigue in X-Men, and guess what? They use up a lot of Sunspot's character. Uh, the anti-blackness of Brazil. So, like, literally, they cast a guy who represents what this guy fought for in comic books. And when they ask the director, like, hey, why did you cast an Afro-Latino to play, you know, the Brazilian character? The director didn't give a shit. He put aside that because he just wanted a character that was like, sure has a story, but you're not diving into those issues in this film. And I'm like, that's stupid because if you were going to do a franchise and talk about, you know, the character, I mean, get it. If you want to make your own interpretation of the character, so be it. But this is the X-Men world. And he's, Sunspot has been cast before. It was cast as Afro-Latino. You know, so the fact that it went from that to completely like white passing Hispanic I'm sorry, not Hispanic, Latino, because he's Brazilian, not from, that's the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> and that's a that's a thing. It's like, you know what, it's kind of a cop-out answer. Like, they could have casted, they, they had the opportunity to have plenty, I know there are plenty of Brazilian, Afro-Latino Brazilian actors in Hollywood, or even Afro-Latino 
like Hispanic actors in Hollywood who could have fit the role perfectly. And I know the director said, oh, but his character's gonna have story. He does, but like, he's playing a one-dimensional douchebag role. It's not that hard to fill that void. I mean, that's, again, the, the, the controversy before the film release. Here it is, right? So, so he's, uh, he's playing this, playing this 18-year-old rich kid snob who like comes from the, one of the richest families in Brazil. And you're, you're shown his wealth when he just throws away clothes instead of literally washes them. Like he refuses to wash his own clothes, rather just buy a new one. So then him and the Kentucky guy trying to play by Charlie Heaton. He's got enough of his controversy to decide. Charlie Heaton plays Cannonball, and just by his name you can tell his powers are explosive. He kind of can launch himself like a rocket with this like, kinetic energy and like also project it. So Cannonball is... is He's the kind of mutant that needs to be in this school because he's very um, clumsy. And then you find out later on that his character actually killed his dad and his crew because apparently his dad was a minor and he had to drop out of school and become a minor because to support the family and whatnot. And in one of their mining missions, guess what happened? He killed his dad on accident when his powers, you know, hit the mine shaft and caved them in. It's sad because all these characters have tragic pasts. Eliana. Uh, was, I think, abducted by these smiling men that were creep jobs, and that, they came up later on in the nightmare scenario, and yeah, so pretty much after the, all these character introductions, who did I like the most? I liked all these characters for different reasons. They all had depth. The beginning build of the film was just discovering their powers, who they were, and almost like gave you a summary of all of their personalities, which is great, because you get rid of that in the first hour. So the second hour, you get to the actual meet and vote, you know, we get to the to the heart of the story, which is where Danny's powers are so strong because they're being monitored. And even in their sleep, they're being monitored by these cameras. They're getting scanned for their um, mutant power usage and all that stuff. And uh, pretty much she is royally screwed because she is so damn powerful. The higher ups of Dr. Regis is like Terminator. She cannot be controlled. She is too dangerous for us to handle. And this is where tables turn because we find out that this is not, in fact, uh, a facility affiliated with Moir Moira McTaggart, who's a close friend and former lover of Charles Xavier. So we come to find out that actually Dr. Ray is not affiliated with Moira, that she's actually affiliated with Essex Corp. Who, if you guys know your comic book lore, is the people that are owned and run by Mr. Sinister himself. So these kids are not trained to be X-Men. Quite the opposite. They're here to be trained to be assassins plot twist. So when they find this out, when they break into a room, because so much happened where they try to manipulate Danny and kill her, and then this is where um, Rain and her develop this uh, relationship, like a romantic relationship, because I guess they both like each other more than just friends. And uh, she actually helped her, prevent her from committing a suicide because she was so distressed by her whole family just dying. She needed, she felt like she was all alone in the world. So. Being this friend and also like creating this like actual relationship was such a great experience because it helped her realize that listen, you're not alone. The world is you're meant to, you're alive for a reason. So you know you have a purpose. And um, Rain went all you know claws out on Doctor Reyes to prevent this stuff from happening. Now all these characters are all very different, but in the end they're all kids who kind of have similarities. They all like to hang out and just be kids, and they want to just lead the facility but there's a giant force field there then you find out the races force fields aren't just something that's actually like technology it's actually her mutant powers because dr reyes is none other than an x-men member dr cecilia reyes who's actually this puerto rican doctor in the comic books but again she couldn't pass a puerto rican i guess because you know she has the look 
they didn't have to hire an actual Puerto Rican woman for the role because she doesn't really fit the role of the comic book because in the comic book, she's actually an X-Men. In this one, she's the opposite. She's quite the enemy. So this new version of Dr. Reyes is nothing like the one in the comic book who's more of a friend. This one's a foe. So they kind of took liberties. This is more liberties they're doing with characters where they're turning good ones to bad ones and vice versa because of their powers being attached to what the storyline is dictating. So she was coming off like so nurturing and kind and trusting and that's you know bedside manner and all that and then you find out she's actually an evil doctor hired by this corporation and she dies because you know she got caught red-handed and she bled to death well you know she got killed by one of the many nightmaric beasts that uh danny moonstar can actually summon and that's the crazy part you find out danny's powers later on in the movie because it's a slow build where it's, that's where the horror comes from. We don't know where these weird uh, phenomenas are happening, right? Because there's moments where they're a complete lockdown. There's no way to get in or out of the facility without permission from a, you know from the actual doctor and buzz and bust out all the high tech shit. But then there's these things happen. They're you know bumps in the night and like you know exploding equipment and uh, again the fears coming back. The smiling men in Eliana's past actually come back to haunt her, and they actually are physical manifestations. So she has to go all freaking uh, witchblade on them and kill them because they're not just uh, illusions; they're actual solid things. So Danny can can not only summon illusions back, she can probably bring people back into physical manifestation from different realms. So this is why her powers are scary because it's, her powers are literally limitless and she is that dangerous to have in the wrong hands or should I say in the right hands. Mr. Sinister can't control her but I'm pretty sure Charles, Charles could and someone like that in Charles' team it would be a big advantage to them so because he has a great job and record with people like you know uh, Scarlet Witch and Phoenix slash Jean Grey and also Charles himself and a few others and of course uh, Super... Teenage Mutant, uh, was it Teenage Mutant Super Warhead? I forgot, oh, the girl from Deadpool. She was technically a psychic X-Men in the comic books. Uh, teenage War, no, Super, Super Nega Teenage Warhead. There we go, man, that shit was hard to pronounce. But yeah, Charles is the master of psychic powers, so to have him have her is a great disadvantage to Sinister. So he, he can't help her, but he, Charles can. So in, in killing Danielle, you definitely take off a secret weapon off Charles' hands that he doesn't already need. And guess what? In the end, it bit him in the ass because throughout the whole movie she mentioned this demon bear that actually killed her camp and sad to say it was her demon bear that killed her family it wasn't tornadoes and she was dreaming about the demon bear and that's when it came to life she can make people's fears come to life including her own and in doing this she was the cause of her own issue to begin with and of course she's a young girl learning but she had a dream about her dad and her dad told her to nut up or shut up just seriously just grow up and you know take care of business and that's exactly what she did she took care of shit and you know got her hands dirty and and, and uh and ran the show and she is took down reyes took down the defenses and now all these new mutants all of them cannonball has nowhere to go right but before in the beginning of the film uh, roberto was promising because um, he's so cool with the kentucky kid um cannonball he's like i'm gonna give a million dollars like he just asked my parents for you know, a favor. They'll do it. That way you can get your life situated. Which is pretty good for a kid, for a kid from Kentucky who is, you know, without parents and has nowhere to go. So a million bucks, I can get him back in schooling, you know, get a four-year degree or get a tradesman degree, whatever you want to get, and, you know, have a normal life and even buy a house. You can probably do all that and, and then some in Kentucky. So 
that would really help them out. Uh, Eliana, she doesn't need help. She'll probably find her path wherever it is. I'm assuming most of these kids are going to end up in the Charles Xavier School for the Gifted. That's what I'm alluding to. But they didn't have an end credit, which I thought was going to happen. So I'm like, okay, so they couldn't even give us a damn end credits with even like uh, James McAfee or McAvoy. What is it? McAvoy or um, or freaking even... Um, What's, uh, no, James McAvoy did take over the role for Charles Xavier. So, yeah, it wasn't Patrick Stewart anymore. So, game, you know, I was expecting him. And, no, nothing. You know, not even Magneto with the damn uh, <laughs> Brotherhood of Mutants. No one came for them. They have to now discover the real world in their stone. And we're going to assume that if Fox stayed Fox, with the movie studios, they were going to continue this. And the Mutants was going to be this new, different team of where do you seen because all the established X-Men are now older and probably age of professors and teachers themselves and these the new class is coming in and they're the new edgier x-men you know so they are amazingly strong like all these mutants are badasses i love these from the comic books i love these in the film and whoever the casting was great i liked all the characters i think they're all were great um it, it sucked that they didn't get a proper premiere because of covid it sucked that they didn't get a proper summer release i mean it did get a summer release late august but I was in theater in an empty theater. I don't think people even knew the theaters are even open again. So it's one of those things where, like, damn, wish it happened sooner or later, or, you know, not at all, essentially. But it is what it is. I mean, this thing was uncontrollable. But it's nice to just be able to go back to theaters and enjoy, my, enjoy some time, you know, in a fictional universe away from my real life issues. And I give this movie a four out of five stars. I don't care what the reviewers think. I thought it was very fun, interesting. The slow pace helped because you got to establish and understand the characters, who they were. I just literally gave you a summary of all of them characters. So if I didn't explain it better than anybody else, it is what it is. And my affinity for uh, certain characters is definitely stunning from how badass her power sets are. And uh, Eliana Roberto have this like chemistry from the film because they're both, you know, the ruffians and they're both get along they're both the team douchebags and they both get along very well and they're both getting sexual tension and they both play with each other as far as like you know tr you know met, you know, flirting and they're gonna get it in but again sunspot's powers went out of control and i think towards the end he started to realize that he was more afraid of his powers and that's why they weren't controlling him so in him not being afraid he was able to control his powers because in the big fight against the giant demon bear he was holding his own, but still, this demon bear got more powerful because Danielle was sleeping and her dreams were just going out of control. When she sleeps, her powers are tremendously stronger. And then she, not having control of it, doesn't help either. So it's great to see this character finally come to, see these characters evolve and actually own up to who they are. And essentially all of them are, after this experience, near-death experience, getting killed by Danny's dreams and all their worst nightmares facing their worst nightmares in reality as grown you know growing soon to be adults it, it definitely matured them and actually got them to face their fears and conquer their fears and move on past this this um, self-consciousness and actually you know quote-unquote nut up like I don't know how else to say it like they they definitely got their you know they conquered something that was holding them back and now nothing can hold them back and they the future is theirs the world is theirs and who knows where they all end up because in comic book form all these x-men don't really uh hang around together but sometimes they do sometimes they don't depending on the written but yeah this film was badass man i love sunspot as a character 
uh, his powers look cool. It's great to see that on camera. It wasn't his first time they showed Sunspot. He was in a previous X-Men film, again, played by another actor. And with this current version of him, I mean, I was, it was like a human torch, you know, I, I like the fire characters, what can I say, right? So, and then Cannonball just seemed like the, the character everyone likes in the movies, the, like the Banshees and the Quicksilvers, like the explosive power set where they're just like more bigger than life characters. And of course, Danny's powers, she's definitely one of the most scary characters because of the, psycho the psychosis of the character. So hopefully she ends up in the school of the gifted, which you know she's going to be found. Because now that the force field's down, who knows if the X-Men or the Brotherhood or who else can see where they are and uh, pick them up. So yeah, this has been my review. Super long-winded review because I gave a little summary about all the characters. But this has had to be said because I love the X-Force. I love the X-Men. I love this incarnation of the characters. And... These are the ones I read as a kid that I love seeing now as an adult come to life. And they're near perfect to what I read. This is so dope. Like, the fact that they're nearly, like, identical to what I was reading is, like, if not, like, it was fun. I watched the movie and enjoyed it. What else can I say, right? So, anyways, thank you for listening. This has been a review of the Fox movie New Mutants. The final Fox Mutant and X-Men or whatever movie because they are no longer a movie studio. They're strictly sports and news. And now Marvel owns the property. So guess what? These characters are going to get rebooted, baby. Oh, yeah. So maybe they'll get rebooted to a completely different age sets. Maybe they'll keep some of the actors. I doubt it. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Maisie Williams. They might keep her because her name is big and they could use her in a franchise film. All the other actors... I mean, Charlie Heaton's also a big actor, but I know he's got some controversies outside of the world that he's got to deal with first. And um, but I like them all. I, these these actors are all good actors. They're all they all play teenagers well. They actually look like teenagers. I mean, again, I didn't know they were all in the mid twenties or even older uh, until I looked at their IMDb pages. So they definitely fit the ro the roles. It wasn't like a <laughs> like a grease scenario where everybody looked forty or whatever. But yeah, so this is my review. Hope you enjoyed it. Till next time. Stay tuned to another epic review from the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the podcast mercenary, the Mike for Hire himself, Christian Joel Ramos. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be safe and take care.